This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, April 28, 2014. I'm Caleb Brown. The cost of higher education continues to rise, but that's not the case everywhere. Some schools have truly committed themselves to low-cost four-year degrees, and all without large-scale subsidies. Vance Freed is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and director of the Institute for Free Enterprise and Entrepreneurship at Oklahoma State University. We spoke earlier this month. I was speaking with a young person that I know uh, fairly well, and I asked him, what are your plans for college? And he says, well, I guess I'll just go there and figure things out. Uh, His father was sitting there at the time, and I said, that is a terrible, terrible plan because it's really it's no plan at all. And uh, given the expense associated with higher education and the unclear or becoming less clear returns on higher education, uh, what would you tell young people about what their prospects are for getting a good education with some re- solid return on that investment now and in the future? Okay, well, I'd, I'd start by saying I don't know I might tell that person, oh, it's okay to go figure something out if you don't know what you're wanting, but don't spend more than a year figuring it out and don't spend a whole bunch of money while you're figuring it out. And if you haven't figured it out for a year, go get a job and then come back when you've figured it out. Uh, now, one thing you need to be aware of is on the cost side is there are some much lower cost options that are coming out now and that that are available to different types of students and you know i'm uh, hopeful that this will spread more through the industry is part of the problem here as we've talked about before subsidies to higher education that are taking universities or schools away from what ought to be a focus on providing valuable uh, education to student to young people? Well, I, I would say the subsidies, um, their role in it is that uh, basically the subsidies allow uh, colleges to charge more money because it's subsidized. So from that extent, uh, yes, but I think the bigger issue as far as, um, you know, what's available to students is just finding people that are really serious about trying to provide a lower cost education. So right now, uh, Western Governors University, which is a fully accredited nonprofit, the average cost to getting an undergraduate degree is $17,000 total. And Western Governors is not being subsidized by any state, and it also uh, doesn't have you know some big sugar daddy or a big endowment. They are literally, you know, $17,000 is covering the whole cost of providing that education. Uh, they're focused on the non traditional student. If you go, uh, want to get the sort of the whole, you know, package of college experience, living on campus, you know, having a basketball team, that sort of thing, 
there's a private college in Indiana called Grace College, and their average cost to degree for tuition is, oh, I think it's about $36,000. That's to the end, you know, to getting a degree, which is pretty much the same as the uh, University of uh, Indiana Bloomington or Purdue charges in-state students for a degree. And so they don't have any subsidy or big donor funding that. They've just figured out a better way to do it, and they've decided to pass the savings on to students. How much of a challenge does that really pose to universities that charge exorbitant fees? Well, I, it, it sort of depends on the school. Uh, it poses some really big problems to schools that don't have much of a reputation today, just the more people become aware of it. Uh, and then I think to schools that are more established with a reputation, it's probably going to put a lot of pr- pressure in the future to start pricing down some uh, from where we are today. What drives these schools to charge as little as they do. It seems like the incentives are all in the other direction. Well, their incentive of both schools is to try to find affordable education. They're both true nonprofits that are there not to, you know, advance their own best interests, but they're attempting to serve students. Uh, So they basically made a decision of, we don't spend money on things that don't benefit the student, and to the extent, you know, and then we charge tuition to cover what we view as the actual reasonable cost of providing that education. And and what they've done, a lot of it is their motivation, is that they they truly are motivated, uh, have an altruistic motivation, And then they have gone to some different-looking business models that gets them to a lower-cost position. Um, Western Governors is really a very different business model. Uh, And Western Governors, by the way, is uh, fully accredited and up to 40,000 students from 50 different states. Western Governors is uh, purely online, but where they're really different, because lots of people are heavily online, what Western Governors has done is they've gone to what's referred to as competency-based education, which basically says if you prove you're competent, for example, you can pass the final, You can do that at any stage and move on, but you can't move on until you prove that you're competent in one or two different subjects. And so that's a very different model, um, but it's a much less expensive model. And from an actual educational outcome, it is probably a better model than the the way we currently do things at, at most schools. Um, 
Now, Grace is a much more traditional school, and it's also fully accredited. You know, it's a residential uh, campus-type school primarily. What Grace did is one was just some pretty simple cost-cutting, normal cost-cutting measures. They eliminated some low enrollment revenues that had a lot of cost but not revenues. Basically, students didn't want them, so why provide them? They downsized in a couple of departments, but not much overall. Uh, and primarily what they did is they shifted to more of a blended format where it's combining online with in-class. And that's happening really all over the country. The difference with Grace and what most people are doing now is it's a lot cheaper. It's both better and cheaper to do blended as opposed to pure face-to-face. Uh, -face. But most schools that are going to blended are still charging the same, uh, whereas Grace just made the decision as we're passing the savings on to students. You have a, uh, a term that you use, online 2.0 which is, is this is where these schools are or where education, at least higher education, is, is headed? Well, I, it, it appears to be where it's headed. And um, basically what I mean by online 2.0, uh, well, probably uh, Western governors would be an example of online 2.0 um, in that it is competency-oriented, and it is heavily online. may not be totally online, but it's heavily online. And you can actually now, in any areas, basically anything that lectures that we used to do lecture classes in, or anything that we were more like drill and skill sort of classes, like a math class, those actually work better educationally online than they do live, and they're vastly cheaper. So what you need to do from a uh, standpoint of looking at, at how to set up a curriculum is really pick the areas that uh, you may want a class that does projects or you may want discussion. Okay, there are lots of reasons you may want to do that, but you don't want to do that in every class, and you've got to realize that that is driving up your cost. So you only want to do it if you think you've got a clear quality bump. The other thing to realize with the online 2.0 is it is not just for um, – non-traditional students, people doing stuff at home. Uh, in fact, right now, um, I think the statistic, I think it's probably about 50% of students, traditional age undergraduate students today graduate having taken at least one online course. Vance Freed is an adjunct scholar at the Cato Institute and director of the Institute for Free Enterprise and Entrepreneurship at Oklahoma State University. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.